0: Hello and welcome to episode 267 of SMARTS, which as we all know stands for Savvy Mark Artfully Recreates Trump-Like Society.
1: Ooh, very good. Wow, very good.
0: My name is Freddie Q Podcaster, a.k.a. Trevor, and your name is...
1: Julia Gulia of Internet Fame dash podcaster.
0: Correct. So we actually have a little bit of news this week. Um, so DC announced what their next series of showcase short animated projects are going to be you know, the ones that appear as extras on the regular full-length movie releases and then are usually compiled into a longer anthology release. So the next series of shorts we're going to be getting are Commandy, The Losers, and Blue Beetle. And there's going to be a longer Constantine feature, which will be like the anchor when they release them all as a set. So we still have waiting to be watched the Death in the family. I almost I said death of the family because they did another story that was called death of the family. Death in the family um, short animated movie that has the other shorts with it. Like there was a um, Sergeant Rock one and a death one and a few others. Uh, we still haven't watched that, but these are the next set they're going to be releasing. So I would imagine the Constantine one is probably going to be in the same sort of animated continuity as some of the other Constantine projects with with the Phil Barossa designs and Matt Ryan doing the voice but it could be something completely different um but this will be the first time that Commandy has been animated outside of Brave and the Bold mm-hmm. um Blue Beetle obviously has been in a few places the Losers were referred to in the New Frontier animated movie whereas in the comics they got the whole first book was all about the Losers um, but I don't think the losers have ever been animated, so this will be a first for that also. We don't know anything about the cast or anything for these. It's just, it's very preliminary, but these will be the next set of shorts we're getting.
1: That's awesome. I'm very excited.
0: And that's it for our news. Oh, okay. What was your comic of the
1: week? I picked Future State Aquaman number one, mm-hmm. uh, featuring future versions of, um, Andy, the daughter of Aquaman and Mira, and, um... Uh, what's his name? Jackson Hyde, who is Aqua Lad, but now here he's uh, Aquaman, and the framing device is so good. The flashback sequence to when he and Aqua Aqua Lass, and she's like, "No, I'm Aqua Woman. <laughs> you you stuff that patriarchal nonsense. I'm Aqua Woman." And I love it. Um, are working together, and then it's um, you know you see what happens there. <laughs> Horrifying. And and what is it about that family and losing limbs seriously, um, but uh, yes, and then you see him trapped back to in the present, and he's realizing that the signs ha- that have been pointing all around him mean that he didn't he didn't fail in the flashbacks like he thought he w- did originally, and it's just it's delicious. I really wanted to I, I I really wanted to read the next one right right away, so it's why it's my comic of the week. It's really a great first issue. Pretty good. What what did you pick?
0: So I picked uh, as my acronym would, would suggest, Future State <laughs> Superman versus Imperious Lex number one.
1: Yes.
0: Which is textbook Mark Russell Socio Political Commentary where Lex Love Luther has set him so this is a this is a very this is a concept straight out of the Silver Age. It was in the Silver Age comics where Lex Luthor, for a while, his status quo was that he left Earth and he was the leader of this planet Lexor, mm-hmm. which he had convinced that he was the hero and Superman was the villain. Mm-hmm. Um, and you've seen that name referenced here and there. For example, in Justice League Unlimited, in that episode with Captain Marvel, where he built his own city. Yeah. He called it Lexor City. The name pops up periodically. Um, here, it's very much a sort of a modern reinterpretation of the exact same concept, where he's he's older, but he's set himself up in the society, and he's got them all producing um, these, these war machines, basically. These machines that go out and, like, Scavenge other planets and take everything of value and bring them back, but the people don't really know that that's what's scavenge happening. Scavenge
1: implies of... that there's nobody there who would want that well, stuff. Steal. Like salvage, yeah. yeah, and it's it's pillage. So, is the, more the, so word. the people,
0: the people are are sort of blissfully ignorant. Um, and then Superman shows up, and th- there's a whole framing sequence with the United Planets, which is cool because Lois Lane is like the Earth United Planets representative, mm-hmm. and this is kind of like sort of a Star Trek y Earth at this point, where mm-hmm. it seems like most of the problems have been solved, and they're deciding whether to let. Uh, Lexor into the United planets and Superman shows up with this whole story about why he thinks they they should uh, about how he went to Lexor and tried to convince the people that that Luther's been lying to them this whole time and he doesn't actually care about what they what he says he does and how he doesn't value the things that he says and he's actually just about stealing stealing from people and and enriching himself and aggrandizing himself but they don't want to hear it and there's this whole sort of monologue interior monologue he has about how he pities these people because they've they've invested so much of themselves in believing a falsehood and it's very hard to disabuse people of that and it's all very you know pointed and political as as his best stuff tends to be um i thought it was like just a really great one-off issue i didn't know that this as with most of these future state things, is like it is a two-parter essentially. Like I believe the Aquaman is going to be yeah. in many others. Some of them are four-parters, like next Batman is four parts, right. for example. Um, but a lot of them are two-part, are two monthly parts because future state is only lasting two uh, two months. So we're going to get one more, um, one more issue of this storyline. But it's re- it was really good.
1: It was, yeah. And the
0: art was great too. I'm trying to remember who did the art. I want to say was it S- Steve Pugh? I can't remember, but the art was really great also.
1: I remember, yeah. That was that yeah. was some nice artistic renderings. Of um, future versions of Lois and Lex and the planet and everything else, yeah, it was very creative. It was very good.
0: And that's it. Yeah. So should we move on to your activity? I'm ready. So this week, uh, because of some stuff we're going to be talking about with WandaVision, I thought we would do a, uh, a premiere installment in what could, if it, if you know, <laughs> if, you, it, if you, this you, takes if, off, if you respond to it well, we okay. could obviously, we could obviously get many, many activities out of this. Okay. Where we rate the recurring supporting MCU characters. Okay. So basically, what I did is I looked at um, recurring characters in the MCU movies who are obviously not the leads, nor are they what you would call oh, like, okay. nor nor <laughs> nor, nor are they what you would call like the co-lead. So, so for,
1: like Kat Dennings and Randall Park.
0: Well, sure, but I mean, for example, like obviously you could call Jane Foster a supporting character in the movies, but she is sort of like the female lead of the Thor movies. Yeah. So she's more of like a co-star, I would say, than a supporting character. Right. You know? Yeah. Um. And I stayed and I sort of stayed away from some of the ones that are maybe like a little too like, you know, it's kind of be kind of unfair to say Phil Coulson because he had like a whole TV series. You know, he yeah. was only had small roles in a few movies, but then he had a seven years of a TV series. Yeah, you know? So that's yeah. not quite the same. So the, the five that I picked here, the five characters I picked are Darcy Lewis, Jimmy Wu Heimdall, Maria Hill and Happy Hogan.
1: Oh, my goodness. Um, I don't remember Happy Hogan. Hold on.
0: John Favreau's character from the oh, Iron Man, Iron Man movies, and then the, right, the right, Spider Man movies also.
1: Right. Honey, they all get fives. Are they
0: all can be five. I don't know what you're okay, talking about. Okay, let's move into our shows. No. Yeah.
1: What about you? Do you want
0: to expand on that a little bit?
1: I mean, okay. So do you want
0: to rank them? Do you feel, or would that be no, like? No,
1: no, that's evil. No, don't make me your do babies? that. Yes, right. It's right. Since baby choices. No, I'm not. I can't do that. I can't do that. That's crazy. No, they're all five.
0: Even, even, <laughs> even Heimdall, who I, who I like, but even Heimdall would yeah. be up there with Happy yep,
1: Hogan. Yup. Hmm. Yeah, I'm sorry. But I, mean, he I know he didn't get he a lot of screen time. He basically doesn't
0: have any character. Like, he basically is not a character. What are you not
1: talking about? Really. Yes, he did. He had some character art, but he his presence is I so mean, good, In the too. later
0: movies, he got to do some things, yeah, which is I'm an saying. improvement over what he did in the first couple of movies. But what, how would you describe his character other than, like, stoic, brave, I guess? Well, yeah. It's like the Red Letter Media thing about characters in The Phantom Menace, right? Like,
1: Oh, no. I mean, those, those yeah, they lambasted because you can't do anything more than, like, uh, I mean,
0: repeat what they For the role that he plays in the like movies, or, he's, he's not supposed to be a super deep character. But I'm no. surprised that you would rate him as high as, as other Heimdall characters who are so, so who are so endearing. Fine.
1: So Heimdall gets a four. Re- wrench it out of me. Geez. Um, no, I really like Heimdall. No, no, no. Because you're also forgetting. He also... No, I Heimdall's a five. You know why? Because... Um, at some point during the arcs, he was also leading the resistance. You remember when he had all those people hidden in the I mountains? I remember. Right. That's, so that's that's was, that was
0: what I was referring to when I said in one of the movies he actually got to do stuff. But
1: Well, yeah, but, but, but he got but to do more a, stuff. No, he got to a, do more stuff That's not a character.
0: Like being a leader is not a characterization. <laughs> that's just like, okay, I guess he can fight and he can tell people to hide in the cave.
1: He was—he was risking his own life to um, save people. That's different than just you know just ordering people around. That's not what you're—you're you're implying one thing when okay. I'm saying there's a lot of depth to his motives, and I like the way. I would also say too. that
0: Maria Hill, as much as I enjoy. The performance is not a terribly deep character either same
1: she, yeah exactly I mean she hangs out with uh, what What can you describe about her if you want to be all mean about it but honestly I like her I think she's got some really great character moments and again they're not the stars of the show so they don't have a lot of time given to them but the time that they do have is really well written and really excellently performed and so that's why they're all getting fives from me so I think, boom. That, the, <laughs> I
0: think that the most well-developed character here is pro- probably I mean, Jimmy Woo he was in. He was in. He was in Ant
1: Man, and he was in. He was in
0: ten minutes of one movie, and now one episode of one division. No, I would you think he's more developed than Happy Hogan? Happy Hogan was in three Iron okay, Man yes, movies, two Spider Man movies. Okay, that's fair. That's an true. Avengers that's movie. True. Yeah. No, Happy is definitely the most developed out of all of His relationship with Tony, his relationship with Pepper, his the couple of scenes he had with Tony and Pepper's daughter, his relationship with Peter. Yeah, his relationship with, with, with Peter's Aune. aunt. Yeah. Yeah, like he, he has interesting relationships with all these characters, mm-hmm. and he you know he go he has an arc where he starts off as just his his um assistant well he's his chauffeur basically Uh, chauffeur slash bodyguard and then he becomes the head of security (laughs) slash wingman the forehead of security
1: yeah Yeah.
0: of of stark industries and then he becomes like a mentor to peter and everything Mm -hmm. like and i really hope he's going to be in the third spider-man movie i really feel like they need to sort of pay that arc off even more like maybe peter saves him i guess he kind of saved him in the second one but maybe peter steps up and sort of like I don't know, surpasses him in some way or teaches him something instead of Happy being the one that looks over him, you know what I mean? Because you can't really have the scene now where Peter surpasses or, or gets one up on Tony in some way because that ship has sailed, no, right? Yeah. But if he's if he's somehow able to, like, step out of Happy's shadow and be like, okay, I've got this, you know what I mean? Yeah. They had that moment kind of passing the Torch movie in the second one where he builds his own costume yeah. that was under Happy's supervision, yeah, right? Yeah. So I kind of hope and there's a scene his in his the third movie yeah. where he kind of steps up. But yeah, I'd say that he's probably... And then I'd I'd have to say, like... I don't know. Jimmy Wu has more character than Heimdall does. Like, yeah. Because just because of the of the role he had to play in those movies, he was sort of like the quirky character who had a lot of different sides. But to
1: He's him, right? so fun. He's so fun. He's so excellently r- written. And again, like the performance, you can't say enough about it. Like, how would you? What notes could you give? To make that performance any better. Like, there's no... Well, but I'm not,
0: I, I'm not, I wouldn't say necessarily to rate the, rate the performances. I would agree with you that all, I mean, maybe Heimdall would be a force. But that contributes to the maybe character, there's which is why I'm Maybe there's something he could have done to make him a little bit more interesting in the performance, but maybe not. I don't know. I mean, obviously Idris Elba is a great actor. I don't yeah. really know what else could be done to make that character seem more three-dimensional. When he's, when in the first movie, he was literally just standing there. Standing there with like a giant sword, yeah.
1: Um, that was his shtick. I,
0: ha- I think all the performances are fantastic. Mm-hmm. It's, it's that's the characters. Like if if you don't think the character is super, as much as you enjoy seeing them in the movies, if you don't think the character is super interesting, mm-hmm. like I I would like I would watch like a whole episode or a mini about Happy Hogan's adventures or Maria Hill's <laughs> adventures. I'm not sure I would. I mean I would watch it, but I I'm would not trying. Sure I would are be as meaning? exciting <laughs> about a series about Heimdall, for example. I mean, Why I,
1: not? He's got the whole underground movement thing. He can can temple a port between realms. Not anymore, he doesn't. Well, now
0: he's got a different kind of underground. Well, sure, that's fine. Emphasis on on the underground, less emphasis on the movement, if you know what I mean. Ouch. Um...
1: Still, he can come back from that. You know comics and, you know, if there's even if there's a body you can you can Yeah, come but back. you
0: don't want it. You don't want to start bringing they already kind of know, they already kind of worked their way around bringing Loki back. If you bring back all of the Asgardians who died, then it really undercuts some of the drama of those those last couple of movies where Thor gradually lost everyone he ever cared about and ends up like a complete wreck, right? Yeah,
1: let's not get into the whole Loki thing cuz if he wasn't okay, if, yeah, anyway.
0: <laughs> but yeah, so you want to give all? You're going to give all these people five?
1: Every single one. of them. All right.
0: Well, maybe if we do another installment and we start start getting down that, to like the D-list hold on. Shout characters.
1: Shout out, shout out to Dr. Cat as well. Dr. Cat yeah. Dennings. I know. Dr. What's her name? Darcy. Dr. Darcy. Darcy, Darcy yeah. yeah. Dr. Lewis, that's great. I love it. I love how she pieced together, like, in the episode. Her first line was like, you're here for why? <laughs> and uh, and she just pieces together that S.W.O.R.D. doesn't know what they're doing if I, they're calling in I all don't of these random experts. I don't think there's been
0: any indication that she's going to be in the next Thor movie. But if they do do the whole Jane Foster has cancer thing, it would... Be very easy to write a scene where she's like there at her bedside or something. You would would feel like you would want someone to be there. Yeah, somebody familiar, somebody who was in the audience with the history. Otherwise, Mm -hmm. it's just her by herself because Thor's off with the Guardians, right? right? Yeah. Um, Yeah, I would think. I mean, maybe they'll work her in there. There's been no announcement to that effect. Like, they, you know, everybody knows, and now we've got set pictures this week. Everybody knows that all the Guardians are going to be in the Thor movie. Everybody knows, you know, um, Christian Bale is the villain. Everybody knows so on and so forth but no, and everybody knows that Natalie Portman's in it everybody knows that Valkyrie is back but nobody's like oh you know right. Darcy's going to be in there or low, nobody knows if Loki's going to be in it Who, whatever they're probably waiting if he is they're probably waiting till the Loki series is over to see what because we don't know is that version of the character going to end up in the prime timeline the 616 timeline or is he going to end you know is he still yep. going to be off in this branch timeline or whatever so we don't know yeah okay so you give them all fives all yep. right I, I mean how about you well, I don't know. Are you I be mean,
1: nitpicky about it.
0: I mean, I'd, one could say it's nitpicky. One could say that, one could say that it's following the rules of the activity. Um, <laughs> I mean, I agree with you that that they all perfectly fit the roles that they were given in the movies. Created, but I, yeah. But I would I would say that of them, I'd maybe have to give like Heimdall a three and and Maria Hill a four, just because I feel like I don't. I'm not as interested in like, oh, I want to really want to learn a lot more about their character. No, I feel like I know. I feel like I got Heimdall's number. Like, I, I feel like I don't need to know. I'm sure there is more. I'm sure there's been a ton of stuff in the comics about his backstory and stuff. But I don't feel like I need to know more. Whereas I'd love to learn more about, like, Happy and what he, what he was. How long is he how, did he? how did he and Tony meet? How long have they known each other, right? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, this, all the this stuff I would love to know. But yeah, so maybe I would give them three and four and I'd give the others a five. Okay. Should we move on to our shows? Ready you want to talk about WandaVision first just because we're kind of on that?
1: Yeah, we're on on the WandaVision track. So this was
0: a very – so this one was called We Interrupt This Program, which is obviously a very apt title because this is very – this is like a format-breaking episode of the show where where Wanda is only in it kind of at the end. Mm -hmm. Um, It's mostly following – explaining stuff. This is what I thought – we talked about yeah previously. you called we it. thought we would have till i didn't think we would see literally an episode looked like this into till a crystal ball yeah i didn't think i thought so we'd either, get but. six seven episodes in before we had an off format episode that explains some of the weird stuff we'd seen in the yeah. first few episodes. i
1: think it's smart of them to do it so soon too i think
0: it's good because I, I also feel like there's probably people out there who are like who are like kinda of like, okay, let's get get on with it, get to the point. Who maybe sure. like they didn't grow up watching sitcoms, they don't really have any investment in that form. And they just want the story, the mythology to move forward. Right. They want the mystery to move mm-hmm. forward and they weren't really getting much of that. So I feel like it's smart to have an episode like this in there, but I mean a lot of great stuff stuff in here. We really get introduced properly to Monica Rambeau
1: mm-hmm. and
0: uh, we meet the new we meet we see S- Sword, and it really seems like mm-hmm. Sword is almost as fully equipped as Shield was in yeah. its prime. Yeah. We learn that there's really—I don't know if they did this intentionally or not—but it's really kind of an echo of like, oh, the a supporting character from a movie set in the past ends up founding the intelligence agency, right? Because yeah. it was like Peggy Carter ended up founding Shield, and now Maria Rambo apparently ended up founding Sword, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, so it's kind of like a, an echo there. Um, we meet the head of sword, who's an actor that I recognized from a couple of Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip episodes 15 years ago or whenever that show <laughs> yeah. was. Um, but I, I like him. I, I feel like he's got he was the, he was good in Studio 62 because he was supposed to be like the romantic rival for Matthew Perry's character, yes. and you were supposed to not like him. But really, but he always had this sort of affability. Yeah, where it's like you get the sense of like he's he's a he's kind of he's like a he's a good guy, but he just like. It's kind of like oil and water with him and Matthew Perry. Like they just, you know what I mean. Yeah. Like they're 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 competing and they don't like each other really, but they kind of do. And I don't know. He did some sort of unlikable stuff at the end. They had some unlikable lines, but I I kind of feel like that that he he has a very like affable yeah um kind of like sort of um I don't know like I don't know Bill Paxton didn't always play likable characters. but I'm trying to think of like an actor that's sort of like a kind of like a teddy bear of a guy. You know what I mean? Like he he feels like like really affable. Fellow in this role, at least, you know, like yeah. so. I'm, I'm curious if they end up using him more. here. Jack
1: Black and everything he's ever played. <laughs> well, I feel like
0: I wonder. If, I mean, they're going to use him more here. I'm sure. I wonder if when Sword inevitably appears in the movies in Captain Marvel two or whenever it's going to show up in the movies, um, if it'll be if it'll be him still. I'm not going to say they're going to recast or whatever because obviously they're being very careful about the continuity mattering. But I wonder if they're going to install someone that's a bit more of a like a movie star in that role for when sword inevitably appears on the big screen you know whether they bump monica up to be the new head of sword Mm -hmm. or whether something you know because it's like he's no he's i like the actor and i think he's he's good in this role but he's not samuel l jackson you know what i mean like if you want sword to be a fixture in the movies you want like the the leader of sword but oh man you know they got that guy to play the head of it you know what i mean yeah so i wonder if they're gonna like maybe he'll die here or something i don't know right um but we see a cool aftermath of the you know what i guess we're still calling the blip like we saw when we see mm-hmm. here when everybody comes back we're not really sure what we're seeing at first and you know monica sort of like recorporealizes. and i'm like is that is that the way they're doing her powers in this show because her power never involved like dematerializing or turning invisible or anything and then you kind of she walks out of the hospital room and you kind of slowly realize what's happening is more people appear and you hear like the overheard dialogue people talking over each other you sort of understand what you're seeing yep um we see scenes that sort of from the other angle that we saw before like the drone that was sent into the city or the guy in the hazmat suit that went up through the sewers kind of like we predicted. Mm-hmm. Um, We see how she ended up in the city. Uh, we see that they bring in like we've been talking about Darcy Lewis and a bunch of other experts to sort of
1: try to figure, try out, to figure what's out what's going, going on. on. Yeah. She's
0: there to be like the astrophysicist and other people are from other disciplines. We get a lot of really fourth wall Breaking. meta jokes yeah. Yeah. where she and Jimmy Wu are watching the broadcast and they're yeah. like so wait like They made a sitcom about two Avengers. Yeah. (laughs) What a weird idea. Yeah. Um, And Jimmy Woo's got his like conspiracy theory theory board board, where he's like, is it the scrolls? What's up with these all these symbols? Like, is vision alive or not? Like, all (laughs) the things that the fans are wondering.
1: Yep. Um, They basically pulled it from the Reddit.
0: And I think they must have known that the, that, like we talked about in episode one, like you know, when you make a series like this, that the, you're inviting fans, and you know, when you roll it out weekly, yep, that the fans are you're inviting all this rampant speculation and th- crazy like conspiracy theory, you know, strings on boards with pushpins, yep, stuff like now hold you know hold on here, you know, the Rand Corporation, yep, in yep. association with the Reverse Vampires, right? Yes. Um, so we they got all that in there. There's. I'm trying to think, like, not not a lot. I suppose you could say not a lot really happens here. We're sort of introduced, or in, you know, Darcy and Jimmy's case, like, reintroduced to various characters. But we kind of get, it does kind of raise the stakes also. Really, I guess you could say the development we see is, at the end, we see a more complete version of what happened when Monica was ejected from there. Yes. And we definitely get to see, I've been seeing people say that Elizabeth Olsen's performance in that that moment was great because she sort of goes full-on villain. Yep. She ejects her from there. Vision comes in. We sort of see him out of focus in the background and you're like, he looks something weird. And then she turns around and he's like zombie vision with like the freaking hole in his forehead where Thanos ripped out the stone and he's all desaturated and everything. Mm -hmm. And then she like shakes it off and he looks normal again. Um. But... When when he comes to her and says, you know, well, maybe we should we should get away. Maybe we should leave. And she's like, no, we can't do that or something. Like, yeah. you really get the sense that she's... It was hard to tell from the first few episodes. It's like, we kind of assume she's responsible because that really seems like dramatically that would make the most sense. If she was being... If it was 100% somebody else pulling the strings, you would feel like that would be dramatically unsatisfying. So we're right. like, oh, she's responsible for this. But is, does she know she's doing it? Like, what's her level of culpability here? It really seems from this, like, maybe she's had some sort of break. Mm -hmm. But she really does seem that she's aware... Yeah. That they can't leave. Right. Which would imply that she's... And she certainly is aware that she has powers here and that she can do things. She yep. can put the walls back together. Mm-hmm. She can throw people out. She can do whatever. Yeah.
1: It felt... Actually, that performance was really good too because it felt like she was like, oh, yeah, I guess I have these powers. I can do that. Like, I guess I shot her through
0: I didn't get... I didn't detect any notice of surprise in her them. powers.
1: I noticed, I noticed just a hint of it. Like, kind of like, uh-huh. Just this kind of haze, this fog.
0: Yeah, I mean, there, there, there could certainly be an element of like... Although she's aware mm-hmm. on some level of what she's doing, she gets lost in the fantasy yes, a lot of the time, yes, and she's yes. and she's sort of exactly. jarring when she's forced to be herself again, right? Yeah. Because yeah, I mean, there was that moment in the last episode where Monica mentioned her brother, and she w- there was a moment of like look on her face where she's like, "Oh yeah, I did." Like yeah. when she says, "I had a brother," like she mm-hmm. initiated. It. She's like, "I had a brother." She said it in such a way that it was like she was like remembering it from a f- deep fog or something. Yes. Like she hadn't thought about yeah, him I'm, in so a long, yeah you know? I'm
1: a twin. Yeah, I'm
0: um, a twin. Yeah, so there's definitely an element of that there, but this really, I mean, my my money now is on the fact like Vision is is dead. Like yeah. she's basically puppeteering his, his corpse, corpse yeah. right? Now that's not to say that he's not going to come out of this in some way, because again, like we talked about last time, the fact that when Monica was ejected from Westview, she still had her '70s clothes on, right? Does seem to indicate that what Monica, what what Wanda creates there has some sort of permanence. permanence. Yeah. And I could I could see them doing a thing where you know. It looks like he's dead, but then there's some hint that maybe some part of him remains or whatever. But my bet is still on. This is the last time, aside from maybe flashbacks or whoever, but this is like the end of Visions. This is like an epilogue to his story. This is the last time we see him really truly. But what's going to carry forward from here is some mission that Wanda goes on into the Doctor Strange movie where her kids are out there somewhere like maybe something happens and if there's some villain at the end of this yeah her kids are like are somehow preserved or saved from this reality but she loses them and she's got to go to dr strange like they're out there somewhere in the multiverse i have to go find them will you help me basically yeah my guess because they're setting up so many new young avenger characters in the movies and other tv shows is that they're going to want to have her kids be characters that continue on from this in other stories Mm -hmm. that they get aged or they're there's some time jump or whatever, mm-hmm. which is what happened in the comics, um, that that is going to be that, you know, Wanda's mental state, some some form of closure she gets here mm-hmm. is going to be one thing that this accomplishes in terms of like its role in the broader universe. And and putting her kids out there as characters to be used later is going to be another and sending her off to the, the Doctor Strange movie. So my, my bet is still on vision vision dies or is confirmed to no longer be alive he gets a proper goodbye perhaps with wanda maybe he even has to although maybe it would be too much of the way that he died in infinity war but he he kind of has to be the one to say to her or force her to let Mm -hmm. him go you know um and then they they actually get some sort of proper goodbye where it's like thanos isn't breathing down their necks right yeah um
1: or undoing time (laughs) yeah and
0: he's gone but there's some hint that the kids are out there somewhere um dr strange shows up in a post-credit scene or something, and he's like, "Your kids are still alive. Come with me, and I'll help you find them." Or something. Yeah. That's that's my guess on, yeah. on, on how this ends. Um, did you have anything else to say about it?
1: No, I mean we we talked about this a lot off mic, and basically those are the key points as well. I mean, I really enjoyed I enjoyed the episode very very much. Um, I don't have anything to add because I think you you hit all the highlights. Um, I love the performances in this. I I like the interactions, and I liked seeing you know. Um, Randall Park chew the scenery and, and as well as uh Kat Denning So that seeing them interact. And it's funny because like Dr. Lewis was the one that got the closest to solving anything, you know, like all of her solutions kind of worked. But uh, it seems I think the censorship element is even more yeah, interesting. Yeah, I've seen people speculate. Is yeah. Wanda
0: somehow censoring the broadcast or th- there's also speculation that maybe because we don't really. I mean, we kind of. We kind I of. I feel
1: like we see more during the actual episodes. Well, we do. Than, yeah. We, than like they the, were the, seeing. There were in the, there were scenes. The pit, yeah. There were
0: scenes where someone broke character or uh-huh. she rewound time, and those aren't in the broadcast exactly. that Darcy and Jimmy are seeing. Yep. So there is the. So that's the thing is that we don't really understand. Like we we kind of buy it because it's the premise of the show. Yeah. But we don't really know why there is any kind of broadcast. Certainly, it doesn't seem like anything Wanda is in do is doing like. Why would it be in her interest to broadcast what's happening in there? To I other, have no like, idea. That doesn't really I've, make much sense. No. So th- there is there is a theory that she's responsible for what's happening in Westview, but that some other force, some villainous force or or whatever, is responsible for for projecting what's happening in there out as some sort of signal and might be editing it for some reason. reason. Yeah. Because it does seem like if she's subconsciously, not only is she, is she controlling this reality, but she's also for some reason sending it out as a TV program, but then also editing it, all, all while not really like fully realizing she's doing it or being... That's a lot of levels to operate on simultaneously. It would almost make more sense if somebody else was responsible for that.
1: I just thought that it was a consequence, that the wave broadcasts... Like, that was just a consequence of her um, powers being but activated. As a, but as a
0: TV... I mean, it
1: just doesn't matter. That's how it translated. Hold on, the way Darcy described it was that it's um, uh, uh, that's how it translated. Like there's there there are microwave signals, and she was able to interpolate the signal. And she's like, the closest thing to this signal is I need a cathode ray tube, like uh, an old old timey TV. <laughs> she goes, yeah. not not I flat. mean, yeah. I guess
0: I guess if she is, I guess it, I didn't I guess think it was possible. Yeah, it just doesn't seem like it just doesn't seem like. I mean, maybe it's just comic book science, but that whatever you know reality altering power she's using are are operating on the exact same wavelength as an old-time tv broadcast like that's awfully coincidental of all the things like they mentioned they mentioned that they're picking up this level of background cosmic radiation well, which i saw people make sense because her powers came from one of the stones yes and the stones were there at the formation of the universe so Don't it would be part of like the background Old timey
1: tvs used to emit a certain degree of radiation. So, I mean, that's that's within the realm of possibility. Yeah, but the- and not only that, but you're implying that it's just one channel that it's on. And, and uh, they, the, like radio frequencies, you can have... Any number of radio frequencies, and, and that's just happens yeah, to be all one sorts, that can be picked up by a TV. There's all sorts of
0: background radiation, all sorts of things that are sending out signals. But it, but the the TV or the you know old timey broadcast TV worked on a signal which was very carefully attenuated to do one thing and one thing only. It's not just part of the general background radiation of the world. That that would to me imply yeah. some level of of purpose and, and intention with creating because she's creating a sitcom reality in there. Yeah. But that's not the same thing as actually broadcasting, broadcasting it out as a sitcom. I don't see why she would do that. And if it's unintentional, it's such a specific manner of transmission is what I'm saying as to for me, to me it wouldn't really work if it were completely unintentional. So whether I and you know she's either doing it unintentionally, which, you know, would be fine, but I think is is a little beggar's disbelief a little bit because of again that just the science involved. Or she's or she's doing it intentionally for some reason as like a cry for help or, or whatever. Mm. Or, or someone in there or someone, you know, someone in there is actually some villain and they're doing it or whatever. To, I wouldn't I say know.
1: villain. I would say maybe somebody in there like if you want to put a third person in there, a third party um, signal broadcaster entity in there, then what I would do is. Um, what someone I'm, in what there I would secretly
0: suspect, working against her or secretly sending no. it out as a cry for help.
1: Yeah, like an SOS. Yeah, I somebody with it. enough ham radio savvy put together I thought of that too, but to... it does
0: seem like un- unless she unless she's distracted mentally, she's got a pretty tight grip on what people there are doing. Yeah. Even in scenes where she's not there with them, it seems like they're still staying in character unless she's distracted. So yeah. the idea that someone might be, you know, might assemble some transmission device or whatever without her knowing doesn't really seem like it fits the facts that we've been presented with. But, the, only reason, why, yeah. the only reason why I say villain and not like some secret agent or something working inside there is because I'm still assuming there's going to be some villain that she has to fight at the end. If I'm wrong about that, then maybe it's not a villain. But I'm assuming there's still going to be some.
1: I think this is just about her grief. I don't don't see a villain coming. I
0: still think that episode nine is going to have to have some sort of big fight with somebody. I Hmm. mean, maybe it's her versus Vision, where he's like, you have to tear this reality down. You can't... It's not just about letting me go. It's about the fact that there's hundreds of dozens or who knows, dozens or hundreds of people here. God knows, sitcoms used to only have a cast of like 10 people, so maybe not hundreds. Well,
1: yeah, they used to, but (laughs) Ted O'Bear, Ted O'Bear, don't forget... Don't forget that they had a population sign on there with uh with the whole, um like, 3,600 or whatever from Westview. Yeah, Remember? but I don't know, so but who knows, maybe, some, of maybe she
0: ejected all but the people who, I don't know, but there's been no indication of that, is there? Anyway, whatever the number is, dozens, hundreds, thousands, Vision could easily say to her, it's not just about letting me go, like, you can't destroy all these people's lives, you mm-hmm. can't commandeer their lives for... You know, because of for your, your grief, for your grief, you yeah. got to let me go, and maybe they even come to blows in some tragic way, where he's like, "You have to destroy me, and I, by destroying me, you'll end this." And yeah. she's like, "No, I refuse." And they, you know,
1: yeah. I'm
0: assuming there's going to have to be some. I mean, we've seen in the trailers. Well, there's just, definitely
1: going to be a conflict, some sort of a resolution where this all ends. I still
0: think that, I still think there has to be some sort of unseen puppet master here that even if she's doing this 99% on her own, there's someone here that's taking advantage of it. Mm. Most of the fan speculation centers around the Agnes character who of all the neighbors in the show is the one that's credited as like a main, as like a a star on the show. I thought
1: that's because she's she's a very, she's like an, She's, I, she gets I, I the most lines. She, get, but... she
0: gets the most lines, and she's the most recognizable actress yeah. out of all the supporting characters. But there's certain things about her and similarities she has to certain characters in the comics that make people believe that maybe she's she's manipulating Wanda in some way, or is taking advantage of an existing situation for her own ends in some way. I don't know. We'll, we'll have to see. I mean, but if anybody's going to be a villain, my money's on her because law of conservation of characters, right? You could have somebody show up at the end who's, you know, here comes the devil or whatever at the end. Or yeah. here's like Baron, the, whatever, for his character from Doctor Strange you might show up at the very end and say, I'm secretly behind all this. Maybe, but that would be dumb, right? Because mm-hmm. you have to set it up to a certain extent. If it's going to be anybody, it's probably going to be someone we've seen in the other episodes. So law of conservation of characters, if it's not Emma Caulfield, it's probably going to be Agnes, right? Right, right. So... And there were some shots and trailers that that lead people to believe that maybe she's more aware of what's happening here than she lets on. I don't know; it, it's hard to tell from the trailers. So that, but so that would be my guess. But obviously, it's still we'll have to wait and see. But it's yep. all just but half the fun of a series like this is the speculation. So, so what about this week's Batwoman? This one was called Batgirl Magic.
1: Oh, I love it.
0: So we get Victor Zsasz, the the CW version of Victor Zsasz here. We mm-hmm. get Batwoman's new costume and hairstyle. Uh, we meet Sophia for the first time and we see a little bit of Coriana the, her island and yep. we learn a bit about her history with um with with Alice um,
1: I was surprised by that
0: There's more there's more forwarding of um, Ryan's character in terms of like now she has a now she has a job she's a bartender at the what is it the hold up Yep I'm mm-hmm. like is it the hold up the hang up the hook up what is it called <laughs> Um yeah so I, I thought it was a good episode I think the new look I mean The hair is a little big But I get that That's what they're going for This yeah. is like an authentic African American woman hairstyle And she's like being herself And
1: I, um, I love it I absolutely I'm here for the hair I want it I'll I would have
0: I think it would have looked I, too, a little too much if it was like that big but also bright red. Like Kate's was that might have been a little red, too much. No, but I would have loved the little red highlights and some of the tips. Such
1: a tiny amount though. I would have loved a few more. That was my critique on maybe the hairstyle. A little much. Like a few, maybe a
0: red streak or something like rogue style, but red no, instead of No, I wouldn't have some, done a full streak. Not too
1: much. Just just the tips. Um but all, tips, like all same. of them. Yeah. Yeah. Like like more of them so that it's not just like you I have mean, I to think it works visually it's just to me that woman
0: is like the un- the unrealistically bright red hair. Yeah, and you see the- her coming from a mile Well, in away. the comics, it's like the porcelain white skin. That's right? true. Yeah, it's Which supposed is- to be juxtaposed against, and, yeah. You know, like even when everybody else in the comic is colored to be like, more
1: peachy traditional pink, caucasian yeah, or caucasian, whatever colors yeah
0: she's got like this it's just white like she's got like this white skin she's not i'm not sure she's supposed to be albino literally in the comics right. but it's just the way she was colored A super
1: fair it's the way she was colored in yeah. the
0: greg rucka jh williams the third comic which was playing up with all sorts of artistic color choices and everybody's like oh that's what Kane looks like now and they just kept it for all the other stuff yeah um by and well, large stuck. yeah but there's that and there's the bright red hair right like those are the two the two sort of features uh, so, uh, you know calling cards of the character so I it's, it. it's kind of too bad to lose that but. she
1: is fun she is she is a lot of fun um the whole uh back and forth with her and luke about the batterings not being an infinite supply um i like the i don't know i like the i still think that the parole officer is unbelievably two-dimensional like Really? I don't know.
0: She got another uh, the first. A the first bit, one she was like a scold, more. and yeah. then this one apparently she's she's also a huge Batwoman fan. So that's but that's still a scold. couple of different characters.
1: Yeah. but it doesn't really make well, a lot. Of, yeah, parole
0: officer kind of has to be a scold. I feel like right, like that's If yeah, you're if you're you going to completely release these people on their own recognizance, you wouldn't need you know if you wouldn't have someone. Now you have a job.
1: And, you need to find housing within a week. Yeah, that's their or job to make sure up?
0: that. Well, I don't know. What the, maybe the timetable like, is unrealistic. I have no frame of reference for that, but it it seems realistic to me that they would be. Constantly pushing them to like move next milestone, next milestone, next milestone until they're fully reintegrated into society. That's kind of their job. Yeah. I don't know if, I don't know Maybe if she's
1: just a very bad parole officer. I don't know if they're
0: within their, their, you know, limit, their remit to say, okay, you have one week to. Yeah. But it's not like that? she said one week or you're putting you back in jail. No. Like one week or I'm like writing, writing you, writing you a ticket basically. Yeah. So whatever. I don't know how that works. But um, yeah. yeah, I didn't have a problem with that. But yeah, I thought it was a fun episode. I think this is a fun version of Victor's as.
1: This is the best. I don't know Victor what it Zaza is about live seen. action. Victor's Great.
0: so okay. So here, rank the <laughs> rank the zazzes, right? You've got unless I'm missing. I don't think I'm missing any. You have got Anthony Carrigan on Gotham. You've got this guy, uh-huh. and then you've got the guy from uh, the the Birds of Prey movie,
1: uh, right? Ewan yeah. McGregor's right hand man. Oh yeah yeah him uh no he's With at the, the bleach
0: bottom. blonde hair yeah oh, I remember. that was Zaz, right that was I'm not mis- remembering that was supposed to be Zaz?
1: nope that was supposed to be Zaz. um I'm not a fan of his um
0: he was he was he served his he, purpose in that movie he was super yes, creepy
1: yes he was creepy but he did what he was he told. he didn't
0: feel quite as threatening as Zaz. I feel
1: like that was a bad creative choice not I don't blame the actor for that but Actually, I do. Zaz
0: was in was in Batman begins for five seconds too I think. There was a that courtroom begins. scene and like, Oh, there's Victor's ass and that was it. Like that it was mentioned begins? by name. Yeah. It was mentioned by name in some courtroom scene. Oh. As some oh, enforcer yes. for um uh
1: well we didn't get out yeah, of Eric enough. Roberts' character, I forget. So so very memorable. Yeah, yeah. Memorable performance. Um so no, but I um no, I like this one the best, I think. I love This is the most comic I love the like. Gotham one, like because he was just so fun yeah, and I, ridiculous. We, because we, that yeah. show is fun and ridiculous.
0: We used to talk about this when we would like rate the versions of or rate the Lex yeah. Luther's or rate the whatever. It's like I feel like I like that performance more, but this is more Victor's as like. Yes. Right? Like this mm-hmm. guy has got the right balance of like I mean, I guess the version in the comics. To mind, I feel like I haven't really read as as I as you know prominent a Batman villain as he is. I feel like I haven't really read that many Victor Zsaz stories, stories, like yeah. none like definitive ones. Right. Um, but I feel like the, all the live action versions kind of play up that. Not, I wouldn't say camp a little bit, but they make him a little like winky, like a little arch. Like this version is definitely like that too. You know, like he's mm-hmm. having fun with what he does. Yes. In the comics, he always seems so self serious. At least that's the image of him I have in my mind. Mm. You know. I don't know. Um, You'd know better. Like he doesn't than take as do. much. He any. takes pleasure in what he does, but in more of like a, a twisted, like, like s- sexual pain way. Mm-hmm. Not so much like, oh, I enjoy like making jokes and like threatening people and stuff. Like he's he always seems like so so serious in the comics. Maybe I'm maybe I'm just maybe I just haven't read enough Zaz stories. Yeah. But you know, if there's that version on one end, and then like the Anthony Carrigan Gotham version on the other end, who didn't really use knives, didn't cut himself. To my recollection, he was all about guns. Like he always wanted, he was like strapped down with as many yes. guns as he can get yes, from he whoever. Was playing, right? Yeah, yeah. That version of the character was was a lot of. This one is sort of like halfway in the in the middle for me. So I feel yeah. like it's a good compromise. Like, if you're gonna like on this show, you know, to have him be like a super creepy, scary serial killer character. Yeah. I, I mean, that's maybe too much for this kind of well, show. He's it's a not really hitman. What show I wouldn't say
1: serial for. killer because he doesn't do yeah, it for pleasure. He does it for money. Too, yeah. like, the Gotham hitman.
0: version was a hitman too, and the comics is not a hitman. He's a serial killer.
1: Oh, I wonder
0: why the show. I wonder why they keep making him hitman. You're right. Yeah, I guess it's just the. I guess for what they wanted to use him for here. It made more sense to have him be part of like a plan as opposed to just yeah. being some free agent running around committing chaos, you know?
1: I think they maybe adopted like the update that the hitman is a better uh, explanation for him and a better motivation too. Because if he's like, <clears> hmm, <throat> I mean, we've already got Alice as being a crazy serial killer, you know? Like, Alice is enough. And, but, yeah, to but have even
0: Alice has got a crew and a plan y- yeah, and yeah. people she works with and That's like true. connections and yeah. resources somehow uh you know you don't necessarily want everybody to have the same modus operandi if there was one person who was like a scary loose cannon who would show like a wild card who would show up when you least expected it cutting people up or whatever and you know like a creepy guy in the shadows like a you know mm-hmm. like a friday the 13th kind of thing you know that would be something these shows haven't really done before but we have no shortage of like hired guns on these shows right true so i don't know but but i thought i but i really liked. i thought he did a good job he was I thought that the first scene with him was very effective um, I did th- feel like he got punked pretty well. It's like, okay, he's got Ryan dead to rights, and then she extends her bow staff and knocks. I him thought
1: out. it was a nice callback because it was, he a, was. Yeah, it
0: was a. I got it. I got that it was a callback, okay. but it doesn't mean it can't also be a little cheap. That she's like, oh, I'm gonna clock him in the side of my head with a bow, and he's instantly unconscious. It's like
1: that's full force. You've never seen one of those get extended. Yeah, there's Good there's Lord.
0: there's realism, and then there's dramatic weight. Like it's like they've been building him up for the whole episode, and then like conk, he's out. Like. They didn't even have much of a knockdown-drygoat fight, really.
1: Well, there was a nasty fight. What are you talking and about? And knives. Like, are you kidding? Like knife seconds. fighting is really hard. And not only that, but you should talk to a stunt performer because, oh, my God, knife fighting, that's ridiculously dangerous to do. Uh, that's like the most dangerous thing. He... Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> I was a fan. I was a fan of all of it, the buildup yeah. and everything else. But I thought and it for, was a good episode. So, so for those of you who are trying to place his face, by the way, because <laughs> you and I talked about this off mic, like, I know his face. Why do I know his face? He was in, like, one of the first few episodes of, of Daredevil. Um Specifically, that's where I remember him from. And he was in that episode where Matt Murdock is fighting a guy in the rain. And it's like, oh, before he the episode this, where, yes. he, where
0: he was wearing a mask and fought a guy in the rain or a hallway. I remember that episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Okay, laugh, laugh, laugh. No, before he got his costume. So this was like when Daredevil was first becoming a thing, and this is the first time that he hears Wilson Fisk's name, and it's from this guy. I can't remember the circumstances that led us to finding this guy, but he he committed a murder because Fisk forced him to, and now that he revealed Wilson Fisk's name, he was going to get like all of this revenge rained down on him, and so he, at the end of the fight, when he realizes what he had done, um, he slams his own face through a... a busted steel pipe it was it was gory it was gross it was horrifying it was it well was we've
0: great. all done that i mean that's just the case of the mondays
1: so. <laughs> okay <laughs> but yeah anyway so if you're looking to place his face that's where it's from
0: he also apparently was in two or three episodes of gotham ironically <laughs> but not yeah as, but not i don't as remember
1: as. yeah i don't remember i don't remember him from that um i don't know <laughs>
0: well that show did have a lot of characters it
1: really did it really did um but anyway what else um and yeah, I mean, we've got some serious bat girl magic going on and I love that it's an illusion too. For those of you who are not in the know, do you know the term black girl magic? Oh. Like you've heard about that? Maybe. That's what it's an allusion yeah, to. You're get it. you're you're so white. <laughs> um I'm but, like yeah, why anyway. would they say
0: batgirl instead of bat woman? And why would it be two words? But it's it's a reference that I didn't get.
1: Yeah, it was it, that's what it's a call back to a reference to. And um, definitely it's wonderful because that's that's so much of what the representation about this show is all about is showing black women in positions of power and strength and ability and agility and comedy and humanity and all of the wonderful things that all humans are it's not been shown for black people and black women in general um and it's nice to see that here and that's why they sort of you know, hung a lantern on it with the Batgirl magic. I didn't realize it was the name of the episode. I thought it was just the name of the article. And I was like, oh, I get it. I see you. But uh, nice, nice. I love it. Thumbs up. Thumbs up. <laughs> um, anyway, yeah, I really love this episode. And I can't wait to uh, see more. I really am enjoying this show. And Kate might be alive and at some point return in the future. So that's interesting based on what Sophia teased.
0: I'm surprised that they're making as big a deal about that. Yeah, as so soon early as they too. Are. Yeah, me
1: because too. Because
0: unless they know something we don't, like I I can't imagine they're going to entice Ruby Rose nor would they necessarily even want to. I mean, who knows how you know what how how acrimonious things were behind the scenes. Yeah. Just to say they even would even want her back for a cameo, but by 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 dangling it in front of people so prominently so soon they really seem like they're setting themselves up for that and if we don't see her sometime this season, I, it's I think there's a lot of people are gonna feel like they were mi- like they were let on for nothing right So unless they do have some secret guest appearance plan for later this year, I don't I can't imagine I don't really understand why they'd be doing it this way. I mean, I thought they'd left it the first couple of episodes like there's no evidence that she's dead and you know crazy stuff happens in this universe all the time. But there's no sign that she's alive, and so everybody's going to kind of gradually, you know, some faster than others, but everybody's going to kind of have to gradually move on with their lives. Yep. And then maybe, like, at the end of the season or the halfway point or something, there's some, you know, the characters start to get some inkling that maybe she's out there, but maybe she's out there and she doesn't want to be found, and so it might be years, if if ever, before we see her again, yada, yada, yada. Yep. Yep. Instead, of early on, they're like, you know, but it could be, I mean, Sophia could be lying. Who knows? You know, uh, they could, there's any number of ways they could write it that don't end with her showing up or being conclusively shown to be alive. Yeah. Um, but yeah. by but by dangling it in front of the viewers so much, <laughs> you, you really feel like you're inviting that sort of anticipation. So who knows? It's
1: true. Yeah. Well... It continues to be a great show is that it
0: mm-hmm.
1: all right so if you want to reach out we have an email address mailbag at dot com. our twitter handle is at smarts podcast on facebook it's facebook.com slash smarts podcast and our website is com. how about a funny sound for us i have one um how about battering.